Hello, my good friends. This is Dan Jones. I have another quiet talk here to share with you. Jesus used a lot of illustrations from farming in his teaching. The people he spoke to had a ready understanding of this subject. Me, not so much. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, which is a pretty large town. Memphis is not a concrete jungle, but it's not rural either. I must say that when I was a kid, I once grew some really nice tomatoes. But the backyard predators destroyed many of those big, luscious fruits, which would otherwise have ended up on a breakfast plate next to scrambled eggs. If you've never had tomatoes for breakfast, well, my heart goes out to you. So back to Jesus. Prominent among his agricultural references is the mention of seeds. There's the parable of the sower, the farmer whose enemy sowed weeds in his field during the night, and of course, the famous mustard seed that grew into a big tree. An obvious fact about seeds is that they take time to germinate, to sprout, to grow, and produce fruit. While this is something everybody knows in the world of nature, sometimes the clear implication of the teaching of Jesus gets lost on certain people, people like me. I must confess that I'm not a very patient person. I like quick results. I won't waste your time with a detailed analysis of my own character. Just take my word for it. But seriously, this truth is one that is vitally important to everyone who cares about the progress of the gospel. In last Sunday's message at our church, I talked about, or I talked some about how vast the mission field of the world is and how to us humans who have such a short time in this world, it doesn't look like God's great missionary enterprise is making a lot of progress. Some years ago, I got to visit India. I've had a love for that country and its people since I was a teenager, so getting to make that trip was the dream of a lifetime. At this moment, India has just under 1.4 billion people. That's a lot. There are just under 28 million Christians in India, which represents about 2.3% of the country. There are a lot of Indians to win to Christ. But actually, that's not my problem. My job is to focus on the little plot of ground assigned to me by Jesus. While I can and do pray for India, and the whole world for that matter, the fact remains that it's God's job to worry about the big picture. So let's move from macro to micro. Let's talk about winning souls. I grew up in the Bible Belt and have attended many so-called evangelistic services. The evangelist gives a 30-minute sermon, invites people to walk to the front, and many are added to the kingdom, or at least that's how it looks. The whole process takes only about an hour and a half when you factor in music announcements and taking up the offering. The problem is many who walk the aisle, as we say, don't stick with it. Some of the biggest names in so-called crusade evangelism will freely admit that only about 10% of those who make professions of faith in a meeting really go on to get involved in the church and follow Christ. Does that mean we shouldn't have these meetings? 
I don't think so. But as Christians who are not worldwide evangelists, we should probably not see that approach as a pattern for our efforts to spread the gospel. In my lifetime, I have also been involved in several one-on-one evangelism programs. Many evangelical Christians could say the same, but these programs still focus on a brief presentation and then an instant conversion, hopefully. I have to say that I haven't found any of them to be particularly successful. Here's where the seed thing comes in. Seeds are not only planted, but they are cultivated over a long period of time. In evangelism, it's called building relationships. God will allow you to meet people who are not going to surrender their lives to Christ the first time you tell them the four spiritual laws or lead them down the Roman road or whatever your approach is. The fact is, even well thought out and totally biblical Sales pitches, if I can use that somewhat flippant term, are usually not very effective. So what is it that wins unbelievers to Jesus? The short answer is Jesus, but he isn't here anymore. He has commissioned us to carry the message, and we don't just carry it with our lips, but we must carry it with our lives if we're going to make any difference in this lost world. Years ago, I heard a Bible teacher express this thought in a beautiful way. He said, God was so pleased with the life of his son Jesus that he decided to reproduce that life in others and send them out across the world. The only way the people of our day will ever see Jesus Christ is if they see him in us. That's why the way to win the lost is through relationships. While impatient people like me want an instant fix, life just isn't like that. Here's another outdoor activity I'm not that into. Fishing. A lot of people like to fish. I have a son who loves to fish. To be successful in fishing, you have to learn to wait. And you must accept that on many fishing trips, you're going to come up empty. By the way, you might just remember that fishing came up a lot in the ministry of Jesus, too. Do you have someone whom you are cultivating, someone who doesn't know Christ, but with whom you have a positive relationship? If not, pray that God will lead you to someone. I have someone that I first met back in April, whom I believe is going to come to know Christ. I don't get to see them that often, but we stay in touch through text messages and are planning to get together soon. I have had one dinner with them that I thought went very well. We didn't discuss the Christian faith, although it was mentioned in a casual way. My prayer is that we can have a deeper discussion next time. This long game is not my style, but the fact is, My style is totally beside the point. The long game is what works. I love the Psalms and have read them devotionally since I was young. If you have also read the Psalms, you will remember a little word that comes up a lot. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and wait. Did I mention that I hate waiting? Yeah. But this thing is not about me and my personality. It is about God and his plan for this world. 
There is an interesting fact about God that Moses shared with us in the one psalm that he wrote, Psalm 90. He said in this magnificent prayer, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. God's experience of time is not like ours. We think of the history of the church being very long, almost, almost 2,000 years. But God looks at the same time period as if it were only two days. God is not in a hurry. He never is. Although it's not easy for us, we need to remember what the passage of time is like for Him. While I can't really get my brain around this, I accept by faith that it is true. A thousand years to God is like a few hours to us. Trust Him and be faithful. Cultivate those friendships with the lost people that God has allowed you to know. He is playing the long game. Heavenly Father, help us to cooperate with you in this missionary enterprise, this effort to share Jesus Christ with every last person on this earth. Lord, you've put each one of us in a particular place, and we're going to bump into particular people that maybe other people will never meet, but we will. So help us to redeem the time, to share Jesus in a loving way, to cultivate those relationships that will bring people into contact with the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. My dear friend, please continue to pray for us as we are trying to establish a beachhead for the gospel in this Schenectady area. Our group is called the Bread of Life Anglican Church, and we meet at 1809 Union Street, which is the American Legion Hall, on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you're in that area, you don't have a church home, come worship with us, 10 o'clock on Sunday, 1809 Union Street. And as always, you can reach me by email. And I hope you do. My email address is father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you.